Hi, I'm Jeffrey Downs, a managing director at Franklin Covey. I am excited to be one of the hosts of this new season of Be a Better Leader, where we're talking about a handful of ways that trust changes everything. I think all of us recognize the pressure of needing to get more done with less time or even less resources. We're constantly looking for ways to improve our productivity. It may not seem obvious at first, but trust is a resource that often gets ignored. Today, we've invited back Corey Kogan, who is not only Franklin Covey's Vice President of Content Development, but also the best-selling author of The Five Choices, The Path to Extraordinary Productivity, and Project Management for the Unofficial Project Manager. Corey, so excited to be talking with you again. Welcome back. Thanks, Jeff. Always a pleasure being here. You know, let's just get started right away. And talking about trust and productivity, you know, how do those two work together? I mean, what, what does that look like? Well, um, it's, uh, it's, it's more obvious than, than you think, or maybe it's obvious to me, <laughs> because when you think of a team or a work team uh, and, or a person in an organization, and you think about, they, you know, we all report to somebody. And if there is low trust uh, between two people or on the team, there's a natural occurrence, this economic driver of things will just organically slow down and costs will go up. And so if somebody feels like they can't trust their leader or they can't trust each other, then they're walking on, as we say, walking on eggshells and not as motivated. So they're a bit disengaged uh, or just doing enough to get by. If the term quiet quitting means anything to you, that's you know uh, something that comes out of distrust and affects productivity. So it's, it's really inextricably connected actually, because when there is low trust, everything slows down. And when there is high trust and people are engaged and they're like, wow, they've got my back and I'm you know, I'm in a trusted environment. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna take some risks and I'm gonna give my best. And even though people are crazy busy, those are the people that are gonna call and say, "Ugh, I have so much to do. I, you know, can you help me find some time because you know I really wanna I wanna get more and more done." Um, versus, I'm just doing enough to get by. So, Corey, um, I think it you know bringing in the five choices of productivity as, as I look at those and trust, it might be helpful to look at, you know, how those two work together as far as the actual five choices and trust and where they play. Yeah. A great question because, you know, I say this and I've said this before about trust. I'd be careful here because we could do the five choices to extraordinary productivity, whether somebody's reading the book or they're doing the full workshop to, be more productive. But if that's not built on a foundation of trust, it's still going to be get hard to get people to actually be more productive and reach their potential. So we want to keep that in mind. And I'll, I'll get, I'll get, you know, pretty specific about it. In the, in the back of the five choices book, there's actually a section that a special section for leaders on what leaders need to do. And I'll say it again, they need to do those things um, based on 
having a foundation of trust. But let me come back to the, the choices themselves. And so even that the foundational one of choice one, act on the uh, important, don't react to the urgent. I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with the time matrix, which is in there because we need a process. That's, you know, this is about decision management skills that start with act on the important, don't react uh, to the urgent. And the time matrix is the process by which I discern everything that is coming in and I get to, you know, determine, is it urgent and important? Do I need to act on it right now? Is it something that's a distraction? Is it just a waste of time? Or is it a really important thing, a quadrant two, it's it's important, um, but not urgent. So just a quick review of those quadrants. Here's the most important point that I want to make about this, is that a lot of times people will say, oh, you know, uh, the uh, quadrants, that's a really good process, you know, but my boss, you know, keeps throwing me into the urgent quadrants all of the time. And I'm telling you that because what we tell people in the five choices is to have what we call a quadrant two conversation with their boss and go and say and and show them and say here's real clarity on what's you know what our priorities are and can you help me really figure out you know more about what those priorities are uh and and really sort of reorganize things around the uh around the quadrants if there is a lack of trust between the leader and a person, you cannot have that conversation. And it really is the backbone of our work with the five choices is to have these quadrant two conversations. I'll tell you one more thing about that. A, a very large company uh, that every in the, in, the, in the food industry that everybody would know and love a number of years ago was there doing this work with them on the five choices. And what the leadership said to me look me right in the eye and they said, make sure that they understand that there is no retribution, that there is a safe environment being created here whereby we want to have people get really clear on what their quadrant twos are and really clear on what the distractions are. And we don't want people in quadrant one, meaning crisis, you know, all the time. And so we want them talking to us and sharing with us so we can give them more well-being, if you will, and clear the path for them to get more done, to be more productive. So that was just an amazing thing where they really set the table for their, their team members to ask for high trust and a safe environment to be more productive. Something you say um, about a safe environment, as, as I was listening to that, I was thinking about the, the really stepping out and declaring that something is not productive or not helpful, or it's, it's not there as a individual contributor, or maybe as a frontline leader to a more executive leader, that, you know, taking that step and we talk a little bit about courage to take that step, but the leader providing the environment for someone to take that step has got to be critical. I mean, that, that's got to be something that is not just happens overnight, or maybe it does. They have to, I, I, I've, I'm really, I'm, I'm not, uh, well, I am very pragmatic. I am not a, 
uh, oh, well, you know, just do this. It'll all, all work out. You know, I, all this stuff is really hard, but I am reaching the point again, particularly as the world has changed and we're all remote and hybrid where you can see these contrasts all over the place. I don't know how you operate without taking that step any anymore. And I'll, I'll give you a statistic that's out there right now. Uh, again, that was put out by a very well-known company where when asked, 87% of employees said, I am productive no matter where I am. Do you want to guess what percent of leaders agreed with that? Oh, it's got to be low. It's got to be really low. I'm setting you up. <laughs> yeah. 12, 12% of leaders said. Wow. I think about that. What you just said, 87% said I'm productive when I'm hybrid or when I'm away from work. And 12% of leaders said I have confidence that they are. In other words, there's there's no confidence or very little confidence that people are actually productive away from work. Talk about a low trust environment. And 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 even, you know, what's worse, I think, is, you know, leaders don't necessarily state that, but people can feel that, which I think is even worse and 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 really puts people a half a step more a half a step off, right? Because they don't understand the leader's intent. And, you know, again, if they're sitting on a what was a low trust environment in the first place and then they start monitoring them with. I mean, it's just it all goes downhill from from there. So it's yeah, it's it's a tough situation. And how could productivity not be affected? You know, I, I, I'm telling you I'm productive. What else do I have to do? And in this day and age. If we're talking about at this particular moment in our economic times, the best talent is not going to put up with it and doesn't have to put up with it. That's the real kicker in the world yeah. in the world today. That's the real tax. And you know, we've talked a little bit before about trust taxes and the economic, mm-hmm. um, you know, the economic results of that. But your best talent doesn't need to put up with it. And off they go to find somebody that does have confidence that they can be productive wherever they are. Yeah. You know, speaking of that productivity, I want to talk just for a minute about choice number two here, which is go for extraordinary. Don't settle for ordinary. You know, I look at that and I think a leader as well as an individual in a high trust environment, like you said, this uh, trust undergirds all of this, but going for extraordinary, that trust can really amp that up. Yes. And we can, let's turn it in that direction. So we are knowledge workers, paid to think, innovate, create, and execute. Um, And it's not what you asked me. That also causes a question into everybody's interpretation, by the way, of what the word important means, right? So sure. just uh, that's just just an aside there. Just everybody getting clear on that is also helpful to to this whole conversation. When and that be, because that's really a root cause problem of productivity overall is everybody's unclear. It also goes to the intent of the leader, which is a key tenant of our work around trust as a leader. Yeah. Am I helping clarify so that everybody knows 
where we are headed and where together we know where the, you know, the team member is headed. Okay, back to with knowledge workers that are paid to think, innovate, create, and execute. In this day and age, the only way to invite somebody to give to, to do really great work or to have somebody do great work is to invite them to the party, is to be a leader that is leading them to volunteer their best efforts. Because it's not widgets. You can't, it's not, you know, hand and and, and and back or time and motion studies on how you're using physical labor. It's manual labor that we're talking about here inside of somebody. So when you say don't settle for ordinary, go for extraordinary, what we're asking somebody to do there is to say, you know, what's your role, you, you know, in this case, for this example, what, what's your role at work? And what's your real contribution? And one of the examples we use that, I'm a, I'm a marketing director. I do my thing. I go to work. I, you know, whatever I go home, I come back. I do it the next day. Well, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not just, wait, wait. I'm not just a marketing director. I love where I work. I trust my, the people. I, I'm in an environment of trust. I'm a business catalyst. I, you know, I, I really want to give, you know, I'm, I'm, I can, I can make a greater contribution to, to this. And, and they write their role statements around how they possibly can envision doing a better, higher quality work in a way they never thought about before. That's both functional and emotional, that they've got the emotional grit in here now to say, no, wait a minute, this is what my contribution really is. Imagine that without being in an environment of trust or having a leader who backs you, has you back, or that you trust. So choice two sort of fall, it becomes just a, an exercise here, right? Right. You know, what, what's your role? What do, what do you want your role to be? My role? I want to get out of this organization. I'm going to write a role statement about who I could be if I went someplace, you know, if I work for somebody I can trust, and then I'm now I'm going to go look for that place. So we've had that happen. Great contrast. Well, but we've had yeah. that happen where people will come through the seven habits or the five choices and rethink their roles. And at the end of a session, they'll, or whatever, we'll, we'll hear from them. It's like, you know what? I'm sold. I'm quitting. <laughs> you know, my, you know, because they're just not lined up. Not that we want that to happen. It only happens once in a right. while. But organizations should be taking care of their employees and creating a foundation of trust so people can be more productive and really stretch for the stars if that's what they want to do. Powerful content right there. And the contrast to be able to see and say, if I'm defining my role and I'm realizing that it's a role that I want to take outside of this organization, there's a trust problem inside of the organization that if I'm a leader, I probably have to address. And if I'm someone who maybe can't find another role right now, it's something I need to take a step in and 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 be that person that can be either trustworthy or, or extend trust in some way in order to start building that within the organization. Yeah. And it's a really important point you're making, Jeff, because what you don't want is to end up being a victim. So if you are a person listening to this and you're thinking, yep, I don't trust, she's right. I don't trust my leader, you know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. Don't be stuck. Go first, you know, and work within what we call your circle of influence. And you also reach out to your leader. Be, be, have the courage to reach out and have a trust conversation with them. So, and see, you know, if there's some place to go 
with that or, you know, and, uh, you know, work. you've seen in organizations, small groups of people, little pockets of greatness uh, in in what might be a low trust organization. You know, you find those pockets of greatness. And so each one of us can be great within the circumstances we are dealt in the moment. And as you're listening to this, just listen to what Corey just said. Be that pocket of greatness and take the first step. So Corey, we've been talking about the five choices of productivity and where I'd like to go through all of them, we won't have time for it, but I would like you to comment a little bit on choice five of fuel your fire, don't burn out. So thanks for bringing that up because when we're talking about trust, it's not just trust as, you know, when we talk about productivity, it's not just an economic driver there's a lot to it. And Stephen M. R. Covey talks a lot about this around energy and joy. So in the five choices we teach, you know, yes, you need to fuel your fire. You need to, you know, make sure you're moving and eating and sleeping and relaxing and connecting with others, uh, which are all true things. But I'll tell you, and, you know, just think about this, when you are around somebody that you don't trust, um, or even if you don't trust yourself, doesn't that sort of like sap you? Oh, and yeah. so energy drain. It's right an there. energy drain. And so joy and energy actually are also measures of trust that the higher trust environment we're in, the more energy that we have, the more joyful that we are. And so it gives a great platform to then be able to say, okay, now with the five energy drivers, now we can really take this to a great level, but I might not be as burnt out as I thought because it was a function of we've changed from being a low trust you know, team to a high trust team and voila, my energy has come up. And with a few more tweaks, it could be really fabulous. All right, one more thing, and then uh, and then we got to bring this to a close, Corey. I, I, there's so many more things I'd love to ask you about, but you know the title "Project Management for the Unofficial Project Manager." Okay, talk about productivity. I'm I'm now asked to lead a project, and I'm not a project manager, haven't done it before, and now I, you're asking me to take a step to do something, and if I'm in a high trust environment, I figure I can do that. Low trust, I can't. Give us a little bit of insight there on the whole project manager that's really not one. Well, it's really interesting because, you know, it's it's project management for the unofficial project manager. So if you think about what I said before, when knowledge workers paid to think, innovate, create and execute, project management is becoming like the coolest role in the world. But we're all I'm a project. I do almost 100 percent of my day other than doing this with you. I am working on projects, new content, new books, new whatever. It has a beginning and an end. A lot of people choose, there are people out there that choose to not go into leadership in organizations. They choose to be individual contributors. And so if you think about it, in some companies, you can go on a leadership track. In other companies, you can go on a, like a genius track or a technical track where you you, you go up, but not because you're leading a team. Why am I telling you that as you're looking at me like that, um, as people can't see that? But I'm telling you that because these are, these are people that are now leading a project when, in fact, the main 
tenant of leading a project in 99% of our cases is that they have to lead people. And so I will say this once again, that a project manager has to start by building a foundation of trust. And actually in our work, what we've done, we're very consistent because our work around leading at the speed of trust and working at the speed of trust, Stephen M. R. Covey will say that it's a combination of credibility and behavior. Am I seen as somebody, a credible leader? And am I behaving my way into credibility? They're completely tied. And so even if we just, so because people, you know, these are people that didn't necessarily want to be, you know, formal leaders. We just took a few of the behaviors and said, if you could just take a few of those behaviors and do them really well, you can really establish a foundation of trust with your team. So that it's sort of a lesson for the informal leader that will allow project managers, particularly, you know, those that may not have wanted to be leaders in the first place, to manage their project better because managing projects takes leading people. There's so much more we could unpack on that. Unfortunately, we're out of time. If you'd like to learn how you can develop relationships of trust as a leader, download our free guide, 10 Phrases Leaders Use to Build Trust with Team Members. You can find a link to it in the show notes or visit franklincovey.com for more information and resources. Corey, thanks again. And for everyone else, keep smiling.